Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so, let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This Sunday, as we continue on in our Worship Matters sermon series, we'll be talking about the Sacrament of Holy Communion, or Eucharist. In the Methodist Church, we have two sacraments, baptism and communion. Uh, Sacraments are ways that God offers God's grace to us. There are other traditions, like the Roman Catholic tradition, that has seven sacraments. Uh, Things like penance or marriage are thought to be sacraments. Well, we think of those two sacramentally, which means that we ground our thinking in our theology around baptism and our theology around Eucharist. And then we say for something like marriage, well, how how does baptism and Eucharist then inform what it means to be married together. So that's how we think about those things sacramentally, even though they are not sacraments in the life of our church. Baptism is a sacrament that you participate in once. We believe that when you are baptized, there's no need to repeat it. God's grace is sufficient for you. It's it's not taken away and removed uh, by yourself. It's something that God offers, and only God can remove that blessing. So we renew our baptisms, and we remember our baptisms. We do that liturgically in the life of the church on Baptismal Renewal Sunday, or we might uh, at a retreat or, a, or some other kind of Christian trip, we might go to a river or a pool or a, a lake or have a basin of water to remember our baptism or renew our baptismal vows, though we don't believe that we uh, need to repeat the sacrament. Communion, on the other hand, is a sacrament that we are encouraged to participate in as much and as often as we can to receive God's grace, receive the real presence of Christ. It's been very difficult during these pandemic times because we've not been able to celebrate as regularly as we typically enjoy. But We're renewing this practice of Holy Communion in the digital space. And today we will celebrate Holy Communion later in the service. I wanna take just a few moments to talk about what's going on or what the church believes is going on during Holy Communion. Now, I've listed just a few of our broad traditions here in uh, the life of the church. What each of our traditions believe is that there is the real presence of Christ with us during Holy Communion. Christ is really present with us. Now, a question over the centuries has been, how is Christ present with us? So many of you have heard a Roman Catholic view of 
transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. This means, essentially, that the elements are transformed into the body of Christ. Even our language that we use in our great thanksgiving indicates something of this. Uh, during the epiclesis, and I'll talk about epiclesis in a little bit, I pray that the Spirit, or one of the clergy prays that the Spirit would be poured out and the elements would become for us the body and blood of Christ. Well, in the Roman Catholic tradition, there's this belief that the elements are literally transformed into the body and blood of Christ. They look like wine and bread, but they actually are body and blood of Christ. The Orthodox Church says it's a mystery. Well, they use transubstantiation kinds of language as well, but the Orthodox Church says this is a mystery and you don't have to try to describe every element of a mystery. That's why it's a mystery. And so they say Christ is really present with us in a very mysterious way. Well, then Lutherans say that in the Eucharist, Christ is in, with, and under in, with, and under the elements. The real presence of Christ is surrounding uh, these elements. And that is how this Christ's grace, Christ's presence is offered to you in the, in the Eucharist. Some people call this consubstantiation. Using that term with, con means with, with the substance. Christ is with the substance of the bread and the wine. Many Lutheran scholars say that's not, that's not exactly what we we're trying to say. We're trying, trying to describe how this real presence of Christ uh, is in uh, the elements and around the elements and offered to you in the midst of Holy Communion. The Reformed tradition talks about a spiritual presence. Christ is spiritually present in the elements. And then Methodists, Methodists, Anglicans, folks along uh, these lines, we really are closer to the Orthodox here. The official communion doc document for the United Methodist Church is called This Holy Mystery. So Christ is really present with us at the table as we receive the elements of bread and wine or bread and grape juice. 
but it's a mystery how Christ is present. We're not going to try to describe it in scientific detail. We're going to allow that something spiritual, something mysterious is happening as this grace is offered to us. This is new, Whiteboard Part 2 bonus round. So during the Great Thanksgiving, there are multiple parts of the Great Thanksgiving, but I want to talk about two essential elements of the Great Thanksgiving or the Communion Liturgy. One is called the Anamnesis. So this is a moment of remembering. Remembering. So part of the communion liturgy is focused around remembering what God has done in Christ. A particular moment of this is when the presider says, with the elements before her or him, on the night in which Christ gave himself up for us, he took bread. And after giving thanks, this comes directly from the passage that we've read from 1 Corinthians. So remembering of what Christ has done, a remembering of Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. And this is why Paul talks about remembering Christ's death. When we gather together at this holy meal, we proclaim Christ's death and resurrection. So that's part of it, the anamnesis, but also an essential element of the communion liturgy is the epiclesis. This is the invocation. This is when the presider prays that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on us gathered and on the elements of bread and wine that they may be for us, the body and blood of Christ. This is an essential element. This is how we believe that these elements become the body and blood for us. The real presence of Christ is offered to us in them. The epiclesis is an important part of uh, the liturgy that the clergy person, the pastor, the priest does. Many other aspects of the liturgy others could actually do, others could actually say, but this is the essential element that in the Methodist tradition we believe that an ordained uh, elder must preside over. Why? Why is, why, is, why is the pastor get to do this and no one else get to do this? Well, you know, an, an easy answer is it's our job. It's, it's what we are ordained to do. Uh, in many professions, in every profession, people are, are in a certain way ordained. They are trained, equipped, sent out into the world to um, do a, a certain function preside over a certain function. Well, in the life of uh, the church, 
in the life of Scripture, what we see in both the Old and New Testaments is that there are priests and presbyters. Um, priests in the Old uh, Testament or the Hebrew Bible and in the New Testament talks about presbyters, people who are given the task by the church to preside over sacramental activity and to order the life of the church. And so when a bishop prays uh, over us as we are ordained, we are given the authority to preside over the sacraments and in part to preside over these epicletical moments in the life of the church. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 for a bit. Paul here in chapter 11 is talking about what's appropriate in worship. Now remember, at this time, people were worshiping in homes. By and large, people were worshiping in homes. And so as Paul begins to talk about the community meal or, or the Eucharist as it's celebrated in homes, he has a, a bit of a challenge here. What he sees is that people are, are eating together in homes, but they're not being egalitarian in the way that they do so. Like our homes today, we'd imagine that if a group of people is gathering, they gather in different rooms. Someone would be in the main dining room, there'd be a group of people there, and then a groups of folks in other rooms. Now, it was very often the case that these house churches were hosted by people who were wealthy, people who had large homes, and they could fit uh, these small churches in them. And so essentially what's going on here is Paul saying, some of you come and you eat and drink your full. I mean, it's, it's like that Thanksgiving Day feeling where you hope that you've worn just a little bit elastic, some loose garments because you're so full. And he's saying that this happens if there are others who are part of this same community meal that go without this is a problem. It's a problem when you come to Holy Communion, this, this meal which also has Holy Communion as a part of it, and you leave others out. The people who are in the main room sitting with the hosts who perhaps share their same social and economic space have a lot, and they eat a lot, and they are people who go without and Paul says this is absolutely a problem. And then he goes on uh, to offer these words that, that we say each time that we receive Holy Communion. In verse 24, after giving thanks, he broke the bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He said the same thing with the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. Every time you eat this bread, you drink this cup, you are remembering how Christ suffered, was crucified, and died for your sake, and also that Christ rose again. Now, these are people, uh, some of whom perhaps saw 
They saw the crucifixion. And others had seen crucifixions before, so they knew what it meant to have this suffering for our sakes. Every time you do this, you remember that. And every time you do this, you remember that Christ was raised again. And then Paul goes on to say in verses beyond what we read today, that this is why those who eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in, in an inappropriate way will be guilty, he says, of the Lord's body and blood. He says, we come to Holy Communion in a holy way to receive the gifts of grace that God gives us. And we seek to do so in a worthy manner. And part of doing that in a worthy manner is being conscious of others around you, conscious of the community. Who's being left out? Who's present and who's being left out? And this kind of communal ethic ought to inform how we think about community beyond the life of our church. Who's included? Who's left out? Who has all the resources? Who has none? Holy communion ought to help us think about body life, community life, both inside the church and outside the church. What you get a sense of here is in this Corinthian church, people are eating in different segments, in different rooms, different classes. It's kind of like um, that high school cafeteria. Where even today, if you go into a high school cafeteria, you see people broken up in cliques. And often they're broken up by racial, ethnic groups. It just... It's sometimes a, a picture of the divisions that we experience in our broader society. The social, the racial, the political divisions we've seen in our society. And we've seen a lot of those lately. Holy Communion is the sacrament Actually, both the sacraments, baptism and Holy Communion, the sacraments are witness against the divisions that are present in our world. They're meant to give us the strength to, as a people of God, resist those divisions and call people to something else, something higher, something more just, something restorative, something where there is new life. And so I give God great thanks every time I receive this holy meal, every time I take part in a sacrament. So my challenge to us this week is that we would allow our sacramental theology, our understanding of, of baptism and Holy Communion to shape our witness in this world, to give us the strength and the courage to resist everything that pulls people down rather than builds them up. 
to give us the courage and the strength to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in every way, every form in which they present themselves. The challenge is to allow Holy Communion to renew us and to renew our vision of what it means to be a flourishing community of God that resists division and remembers that Christ suffered and died and rose again so that we could have this possibility of a new united life, a life that is bound together by the love of God for the life of the world. And now we move into our time of Holy Communion. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with God and with one another. Therefore, let us silently confess our sin before God and one another. The good news is that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory be to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, and after giving thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the supper was over, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to you, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your spirit on us gathered everywhere we are, and on the gifts of bread and wine before us. May they be the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now let us pray the prayer our Lord taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We, though we are many, are made to be one body. For the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Now, gather the elements in front of you, and as I break the bread, I encourage you to break the bread, and then as we dip it in the cup, we will also dip it in the cup together. The body of Christ broken for you. Please share this body of Christ in your circle of fellowship at home. And the blood of Christ shed for you. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
It's been great worshiping with you. It's been great communing with you. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.